Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this special edition of Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. This is your fourth of four World Cup previews. This is a Team USA deep dive. In just a moment, I'll be joined by BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. My name is Michael Leboff, and the three of us will suss out this USA team, make sense of the roster, give our favorite bets concerning Team USA, how far they'll go their biggest strengths, weaknesses, how they shape up in the group, all that jazz. If you want to hear our deep dives on the World Cup at large, we have our group A through D preview already recorded and published. Groups E through H are also recorded, published. Our team futures and player futures episode also recorded and published. You can find all of those episodes on the Wonder Goal podcast channel. Before I bring in BJ and Anthony, a reminder that Wonder Goal, this soccer betting podcast, is brought to you by our friends at Bet365, the world's favorite sports book brand. Use promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get 200 free. All right, gentlemen, before I turn it over to you, I'm just going to quickly give the odds for Team USA, the USMNT. They're 150-1 to 1 at Bet365 to win the tournament, 40-1. to 1 to reach the final 12 to one to get to the semifinal plus 450 to reach the quarterfinals. They're plus 550 to win their group, which is group B. It features England, Wales, and Iran. They're even money plus 100 to advance out of that group. And their opener, they take on Wales. They're plus 162 on the three-way money line. At the end of the show, we'll give out our favorite bets and try to make sense of the market. Fine. Trying to make you guys some money on the Americans. But before we do that, BJ, I'm going to bring you in first. The Americans announced their roster last week. 
What do you think is their biggest weakness uh, in terms of their roster, their manager, tactics, especially in this group? So, yeah, it's interesting in this group because if the U.S. was paired in a different group, teams like not Wales and not Ireland, or not Ireland, excuse me, not Iran, I would be more worried about the United States because what they tend to struggle with, and we'll get to this in the tactics, but the teams who have punished them are teams that can really get out on the counter and force those tie turnovers, press the United States because they're not very good in what I like to call scramble mode, where teams are coming at them on a three-on-three or whatever it might be they really tend to struggle in transition defense when they don't have the numbers to get back and get set up. You saw that when they played Japan and the friendly against them, Japan, a very counterattacking side, pressed them high, forced a bunch of high turnovers and eventually scored a bunch of goals off of that. Now, as far as the biggest weakness is concerned in this United States team, I have to say it's the two center backs, you know, Walker Zimmerman, he's a fine MLS player, but we are going on the world stage right now. And he is going to be going up, not necessarily in this group, but it, once we get, to the knockout stage against some of the best attackers in the world is him alongside whoever we decide to pair along with him really going to be able to hold up over a full 90 minutes. I'm not so sure. Now we have outstanding, you know, midfielders that can definitely help those guys out, but that is what worries me the most about this team USA for this. We have outstanding wingers. Like I already mentioned, we have a great three midfielder pairing from the four, three, three, but that center back pairing is kind of concerning to me when we have to go up against Harry Kane Phil Foden, Kyle Saka, all of those type of attackers. I'm not so sure we can hold up. So that's the biggest weakness I see in this team for Team USA right now. Yeah, Miles Robinson and Chris Richards are out, right? right. Uh, those two injuries were pretty meaningful, I think, for the U.S. because now they're down to what's likely going to be Tim Ream. And uh, Ream has had a, a solid season in the Premier League thus far for Fulham. But people just say he's the nicest guy. I, he's I the really, nicest guy in the entire Premier League. I don't know about you guys. I really think it should be Cameron Carter Vickers alongside Walker Zimmerman. Tim I really has do. Not been dribbled past this season. I saw that last week, but I think that's the biggest question mark too. That and of course the striker position, Ricardo Pepe and Jordan Pifak not on the team. I think there was a little bit too much overblown about them not being there, but I understand that the, the, the criticisms about Pepe. But I think that uh, Jesus Ferreira has proven himself to be the best striker on the U.S. men's national team over the last year and a half. But of course, the biggest question mark with him is the finishing and, and will he finish at the rate needed? When you look at the shot production and what they've done when they've been on the field, uh, it's pretty clear that Ferrer is the best striker though. So I, I understand the decision Burhalter made. What they do in terms of their, their, what is their best 11? I don't know if they know because a lot of it came down to them being injured for a lot of the World Cup qualifying. They had injuries constantly. They never had Pulisic, Reina, McKenney, Adams on the pitch at the same time, it felt like. And, and Aronson, you know, where does he fit in? So there's a lot of question marks about what the best team is. I think that that combined with the center back injuries are what I'm most worried about. All right, let's flip that then. I think, you know, you, you always have to kind of context it with who their competition is. And, and in this case, it's it's Wales and it's England and it's Iran. And if you even you can even kind of cross a line through England, they are massive favorites to win the group and even bigger to advance. So it's really three teams competing for one spot. That's Wales, the Americans and um, Iran. I don't know about that. I mean, there's not a, are there five teams in the group? Am I missing? It, it will come down to those three teams is what I'm saying for one of the, one of the other spots. Uh, I mean, is England a guarantee to go through is my point? No, I mean, I'm betting yes, against them. Yes, too. Stop, I'm, betting stop, them. I'm, stop. But I'm just saying like in there, winning the world cup in man. that context, look, we, you can hear all that. You can hear all that argument in our other preview pods, but the question I think should be couched like this is like, what do the Americans do or what are their strengths 
that kind of give them the leg up over those two other teams who Anthony, I'll put it this way, are the most likely competitors for that number two spot behind England. I think that's the biggest concern too. I think the U S men's national team's best performances in world cup qualifying came against Mexico when they were able to exploit space and behind and when they were able to not be possessed with breaking down teams who are going to let the United States have the ball, because the U S if you look at who our best players are, Reina, Pulisic, Aronson, they're runners, they're dribblers. They're not really passers. And this is something we've talked about when we, when we touched on the world cup pods during the qualifying last year, they're not great. There's no clear player that they get the ball to, to, to play progressive passes. There's no person who you look at and you're like, that is an exquisite world-class level passer. But what they have are players who are excellent at running into defenders in space, who are excellent at beating their man on the wings, uh, but not players who are equipped to play that one pass, the line breaking pass. They don't have the, the kind of midfielders that, you know, a Spain or an England or, or even, uh, you know, like a lesser team like a Belgium has. So I think when you look at that, how do they match up with Wales who are likely going to let the U S have the ball? I don't know. Like, are they vulnerable in transition? Do they overcommit? Do they get frustrated? What is, what is the plan to get the fullbacks involved going forward? I think all these questions are really interesting. Whereas I think they actually match up kind of well with England because England will be forced to have the ball. England will be the team that has to make the commitment to go forward. And the U S can definitely exploit. And I can, you know, depending on Kyle Walker's health, you can, you can see a world where players like Pulisic and Reina are taking advantage of England over committing or England leaving space up the wings. And we were able to run at them and get at them and, and create chances uh, in transition where I think we're actually much better than we are as a possession side, despite Greg's efforts to make us a more possession side in the last two years. Yeah. yeah I think well, really, that, really what Greg tries to do from a tackle perspective, like, yeah, we try to be possession, but he wants the ball getting moving forward very quickly from line to line. Like you said, Anthony, getting behind defenses. So yeah, when we play Iran and Wales, we're not going to be afforded to be able to do that. I agree with Anthony. I'm not really so sure. It might become a frustrating situation where we're trying to break down a low block. Even if I do think Wales is an absolute luck box and has overperformed a ton, like the teams like Iran and, and Wales and even England too, for that matter, they're not going to press the United States highs. Like the United States is really good when they can be organized in defense because McKinney and Adams, even Musa are outstanding defenders in transition. So you know, if they can, tur- they commit turnovers high or the center backs aren't very good at handling the ball. Like then that is where it becomes a problem for the United States, but if they can be organized, like they can be very, very good defensively. So yeah, it's interesting. I'm not, I don't know how it's going to fare against Wales or, or Iran, but we're definitely gonna have the ball and we're definitely gonna have to break down a low block. Yeah. It's kind of that age old question with the Americans. It's just like, they, they punch up so much better than they play against teams that, like, of their equal or, or, you know, punching down, which is when you think back to like their famous results, like the the, Eng- the England game, sure, like that Robert Green mistake was a huge howler. You go back to 2002 against Mexico, against Portugal, like it's 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 been those teams that they've been able to steal wins against. And then they struggle with like, you know, the likes of Poland or South Korea and stuff. You know, I don't even want to get into 2006. Luckily, Anthony, you weren't around for that because that was a, a whole debacle. All right. It seems like we already touched on, on the back line. It seems like, you know, that is part of the concern and, and why maybe we're, it sounds like we're throwing cold water on the Americans here, but the wingbacks, I feel like, you know, of this back, I guess the question for you, BJ would be, how would you line up the back four? How would you want to line up the back four ideally? And there should be some kind of success down the flanks for the wingbacks or, you know, the fullbacks. I mean, Anthony Robinson, by the way, Everton legend, former Everton legend, <laughs> 
don't sleep on him. I think he kind of gets overlooked in the whole setup, but that to me, you know, is, is like a strength. I know that the, the spine of the defense is, is a little bit of a worry, but the uh, at wide feels, feels like the United States have what could be problem causers against teams like Wales or Iran. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Robinson is going to be the left back and he is the, the right choice. I don't think the United States really has another guy at that position that can really do what he's able to do. He's having a nice season at Fulham right now. The question for me is that right back, you know, Dest has been the up and comer, like, you know, everybody was really excited when we, when we finally, when he switched nationalities to the United States, he obviously played for Barcelona for a while, had some success there. He's made a move to AC Milan. He's only played two full nineties this season. Does Bear Halter trust him? Does Bear Halter play him over a more experienced option like DeAndre Yedlin? I'm not so sure. Now, I'm not saying that that's a big drop off. If we decide to go with Dest or we decide to go with Yedlin, I think both of them are, are very fine options that can actually, you know, that have a lot of pace that can get forward. And like you said, Michael, cause problems down the flanks and really feed Pulisic and Reyna going forward. For me at center back, I already mentioned it. I like Cameron Carter Vickers to be the other center back, because if you're looking at the options that bear Halter's bringing outside of Walker Zimmerman, it's going to be Tim Ream. Who's now 35. Like we've mentioned on the pod so many times, Fulham's defense is terrible. So I'm going to pass on him. Aaron long is in the bottom 20th percentile in the MLS for pass completion rate tackles per 90 interceptions per 90. He's been dribbled past 10 times on 20 attempts. I'm going to pass on him. Cameron Carter Vickers, Tottenham legend, Anthony uh, has was, very good for, for Celtic in the champions league, which it, the thing about it is, is Celtic had two matches against Shakhtar where they were very possession dominant. They had to break down a low block and Carter Vickers was in the 99th percentile for pass completion rate for center backs. And he also had over four progressive passes per 90. That's what I'd want from a center back. If we're going to have to break, break down a low block, a guy who can pass can pass accurately and is also very athletic, very fast can help defend. Whereas Walker Zimmerman is not the most athletic defender in the world. So I think Vickers alongside, cause he's, you know, athletically, he's a lot like miles Robinson. So I think he is the best fit alongside Zimmerman. So that would be my ideal back for, I don't really care who we got at the right back. I think both options are just fine. It'll be Anthony Robinson on the left, but I do think Carter Vickers at center back is the best option, or we can get really wild and play Tyler Adams as a center back, which we've done before. And then slot Aronson in the midfield. That's the wild option, which I know we're not going to go with, but it is interesting. Yeah. I think it's a really big positive that, Berhalter has decided to go with Matt Turner over Zach Steffen and goal. I agree with BJ with regards to, you know, uh, Jedi starting left back. And I think it'll be Yedlin at right back as well. Joe Scally maybe gets some run uh, <laughs> in a situation. Hopefully I think uh, he's shown some promise and Berhalter has been kind of hot and cold with him, but that was my obligatory Gladbach reference, but uh, I'm encouraged by, by Turner being in the team over Stefan. And I think this is a very interesting choice from Burhalter because he's tried so hard to get Stefan in the team because Stefan is the better passer. He's better with the ball at his feet. And the idea is that Burhalter wants to shape this team to be more possession based. You need a goalkeeper you can rely on with the ball to make good decisions uh, with the ball at his feet. And he opted to go with the shot stopper and in a three match tournament, potentially more, I will take the shot stopper every single day of the week. Matt Turner was the best goalie in MLS in terms of post-shot expected goals for four straight seasons. Andre Blake up there with him, but Turner consistently was one of the best shot stoppers, not just in MLS, but when you compare him to the other shot stoppers across Europe, consistently elite. And he was a major reason why the U.S. overperformed defensively during the World Cup qualifying. Uh, if, if you just tuned in and dropped into the world and you hadn't paid attention to how the U.S. got here, they did have the best underlying numbers in CONCACAF based on expected goals for and against uh, better than Canada, even though Canada finished ahead of them in the group. And a lot of the reason was that the defense was very good. 
but the defense also overperformed because Turner was excellent. And they had some bumps in the road. They lost to uh, a bad loss at Panama, pretty flat showing in Costa Rica, but they had already qualified. There were some definitely ups and downs where, you know, people were ready to fire Burhalter, but they also had a lot of highs. And I think it's incredibly encouraging going into this world cup that they are healthy relatively, except for the center backs and that uh, they're really young. And I think that's another advantage they may have here is that their legs should be good. They're not going to, you're not a team you're worried about, you know, players getting too tired or worn down. They are one of the youngest teams at this world cup. So it's another encouraging sign. One thing I'll also say is that, you know, we didn't go to the 2018 world cup, right? So we haven't played a real competition against the top sides, you know, around the world. And this is the first time in a, basically in the United States history that not only are we very young, but a very, very large percentage of our players are playing in Europe. And I think that's a major, major positive for the United States that our players are actually playing against the best in the world week in and week out and not just hanging around the MLS. And then we go to the world stage and then it's, oh my gosh, we have to play against the best in the world. These guys, even though we haven't played, you know, the likes of a Spain or an England or a France yet, because we weren't at the last world cup, these players will be ready. And that's the biggest thing. And it's very encouraging. And I think it also needs to take, we kind of need to, I don't, I don't want to taper expectations, but I like Anthony mentioned, I think we need to recognize that we are very young and that we are building something really, really nice here that really sets up well for the 2026 world cup. Obviously I'd love to make a deep run in this world cup, but if we, I think we'll get to our expectations, but I think that, getting out of this group would be a big accomplishment for this United States team. And that it would really, really help us going forward to the next world cup. BJ's already looking four years down the road. Odds makers, like I said, 50, 50, they say for the U S to get out the group plus five fifty to win it. Yeah. The midfield, like you said, you talked about the age profile of the squad and, and, and the midfield is the perfect kind of representation of it. Eunice Musa's 19, uh, then Adams and McKinney, I believe are 23 and 24 respectively. And that those three players, like you, you could argue that, the the attack with with Pulisic and Aronson and Reina is, is the big strength, but without a striker, a true out and out striker, it probably is the mid. It ends up being the midfield, and the fact that is that those three players are an average age of like it'll come out to like 21, 20, 21 and a half or so. And let's talk about that midfield because I think Tyler Adams will end up being the most important player for this team because of what you were saying, BJ. Right, like the center backs will need protection and. That guy is all action everywhere. He covers a ton of space. And I think for, you kind of alluded to it with these look back at the rosters from 26, 2010, go to 2014. And, you know, when you're talking about like Michael Bradley being the kind of talisman in the midfield, it kind of tells you how far we're coming, right? That we got these guys, because and, and no disrespect to Bradley, who, who people have said, you know, I look like because of our haircut, but it just kind of shows you the, the significant step forward. And, I guess we should, we should spend a little time on the midfield here. Anthony, I'll let you start. Cause you, you know, you're the leads guy and Tyler Adams is leads. He's a great New Yorker. So talk to us about this midfield. Yeah. I actually just got my uh, Weston McKenney Jersey. So I'm very excited for the world cup. We're, we're amped up here, but I think Adams has had a really great breakout season at Leeds, and not just because he's playing in the Premier league when previously he'd only done it in the Bundesliga, but the fact that he is healthy and playing really well and has stayed healthy to this point, knock on wood. Leipzig, like he was consistently in and out of the lineup, but he showed flashes of what he really could be. And really it's just an engine room midfielder who does a lot of safe passing, a lot of getting on the, he's, he's not afraid to get on the ball and make passes, but he's not going to, you know, put a ton of balls in the box necessarily. 
but he just does a great job with tackles, interceptions, and pressures. Like he's always all over the pitch, covers a ton of ground, can fill in the places like right back and left back when when maybe players overcommit. Like he's very versatile, and I think he is going to be the sixth defensive midfielder for this team. And I think he plays well with McKenney and Musa if they're going to be the two eights because Musa is such a good ball carrier and and McKenney's kind of a do everything box to box more so than than the rest. And McKenney's so dangerous on set pieces as well. Like, I think there's a lot of versatility and I think the group really works together. Again, the one thing I think you could say they're missing is that none of them would be considered like elite, elite uh, progressive passers. And McKenney has been up and down this year at Juventus, but he's already shown what he can be. He's going to be someone who's more getting forward, getting on the end of it. Like he's going to be more receiving progressive passes than he is going to be dishing them out. Like his passing range is still a bit questionable, I think. And that's really where the hole comes in the team, right? If Moose is going to be a ball carrier and McKenney's going to be getting in the box, getting on the end of chances and, and looking, you know, more that where do, where does the, the, the plus plus passer fit in? That's the one piece that I think they're missing. And, and one thing that, that could hold them back in these games against Iran and Wales. So uh, I do love McKenney's numbers. He's at 0.2 XG per 90 this year, non-penalty, very encouraging. So I think, I think it's pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There's a lot to like about, about all three of them and how they work together. It just feels like they're like just missing that one thing that could take them to the next level. All right, let's just look at the forwards here. Then I think we could say that pretty fairly, Kristen Pulisic is still the face of face of the team. Him, Gio Reyna, Brendan Aronson, who like Adams is having a, a breakout season with Leeds under American Jesse Marsh with Ferreira, or you know, if this this the son of Liberia's president George Wea, Timothy Wea ends up you know as the guy who he's twelve to one by the way to to lead the team and scoring, which I think is a little interesting. Do you think the team has enough goal? I think it's that simple. Like they have the talent, like with Aronson, Reina and Pulisic, but do they have the finish BJ? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you look at, you know, whether it be Ferreira's numbers, Josh Sargent's numbers across, you know, what he's doing at Norwich, like both him and Ferreira are finishing at crazy rates right now. Ferreira's 18 goals off around 12 expected MLS. 
Sargent with Norwich this season as nine goals of 4.9 expected. So if they continue to finish at the rates that they have been, yes, like then the U S is perfectly fine. But I mean, that's the other question of who, who starts up top, right? Cause like athletically talent wise, I would say Timothy Wea, but his numbers at Lille are just not that of what Sargent and Ferreira are doing. You know, if you look across, you'd be like, Oh my gosh, he only has 10 goals in his career across Europe. And, you know, he has been playing kind of in and out. He hasn't really been, you know, featured on fully on a side, you know, last season he played 18 full nineties with Lil and he only was around a 0.27 XG per 90. So like not encouraging stuff, but you know, he's a striker that can play well in the air is very talented with the ball at his feet as well. So, yeah, I mean, my biggest question here is I understand like not bringing Pepe. If it's truly down to like, all right, we're already bringing Wea, and it's between Pepe Ferreira and Sargent. Like I get it. Like Ferreira and Sargent are finishing at grades, right? They should come. But why is, why is Haji right here? Why is Jordan Morris here? Are you really telling me that those two guys are better options than Ricardo Pepe right now? I don't, I don't see that at all. And I mean, if we think about a worst case scenario here, if whoever we decide to start up top and let's just say Ferreira starts the first match, it doesn't go well. He gets subbed out. Sargent comes on. It also doesn't go well. Well, then Bearhalter's stuck. He has no options other than Timothy Weah, who for a lot of times throughout qualifying played out at the right wing position. Now, a lot of that had to do with the fact that Reina was hurt, but still it lends itself to the fact, like, should we be bringing our, our best 26 players who give us the best option to win in, in case we have that worst case type scenario. So for me, I, I don't really care who we start up top, you know, whoever we put up there, I, I think is, I think all three of them have their flaws. All three of them have their positives as far as how they fit in the United States team. Like I think we're all, we're all fine with three of those guys up top. So for me, I don't really care who starts up top. It's going to come down to how good are Pulisic and Reyna at creating chances, getting the ball into the box and feeding those three guys. Those two are going to be the keys to the United States attack on how far we actually go in this world cup, or if we can actually break down the low blocks from Wales and Iran. Yeah, I think it's got to be Ferreira, personally. I love Tim Weah. I actually think Tim Weah has had an interesting season, like in the sense that he hasn't played as much. But when he has played, he's been quite good. And I think that lends him really well to a super sub type role for this team. He's at 0.6 XG plus XA per 90, which is considerably better than he did the last two seasons. Of course, like I said, the sample is super small. Three and a half 90s, two assists. He has not found the back of the net yet, but again, over 0.3 XG per 90. I think he's still more of like a wide forward in the end, but... Uh, when Reina, you know, depending on Reina's situation and whether he can play full nineties or not, I think he's an excellent option to spell minutes because they're going to need minutes. I I haven't gotten too into the, Oh, Pepe, this PFOC, that Haji Wright stuff only because like the fifth and sixth striker doesn't really matter. Like how many minutes are they really playing for this U S men's national team? It does probably none unless, you know, there's like a desperation situation and we're probably already out by then anyway. So I haven't gotten too into that, but I, I agree. Like, on the basis of like, oh, it sucks for Ricardo Pepe that he wasn't picked because he probably deserved it. So overall, I, I'm a Ferreira person. Ferreira has not finished well for the national team, but like BJ said, he's been fine for Dallas. So I, I think that's the best option for striker, but it, it definitely is the weak, one of the weaker areas. I mean, you just look at across the board. I mean, look where our players are playing. I mean, you know, Chelsea, Dortmund, Lille, and then in the midfield, you're like, oh, Juventus and Leeds and Leeds again. Valencia. And then you're like, Oh, FC Dallas striker. <laughs> it just feels wrong, you know? And that's the thing. And it kind of gets at the point, but uh, I, I do think they'll be okay. I think the biggest question also is like, where does 
Brendan Aronson fit in this team? Because obviously yeah. he's been an in incredible form for Leeds. And I'd say he's probably one of our better attacking players, but Pulisic could be on the left and Reina's going to be on the right. Does Bearhalt, I know Freire's probably going to be on top, but do we potentially say Aronson false nine? And just, I, he won't do that, but I, mean, I know he could won't. He, could but he take I'm just Lewis's saying, spot is a more interesting question to me. I think there's more likely to do that than yeah than to take. Uh, I just I, I feel like we need to figure out a way to get him on the on the on the pitch, right? Because he's been one of our our better players across Europe this season. So yeah, you, uh, he's the kind of guy where you just wish he developed into more of a passer. And yeah, then you could take that, but right now, like, what's the production? Uh, right, he, if, you know. And if so we were playing, a, if we were skeptical. playing a four-two-three-one, like he'd slot perfectly right in the number ten role. But again, we're not going to be playing that, so that's where it, it comes in a little bit of an issue. All right, let's now wrap this thing up. Like I said off the top, the Americans—they're one hundred and fifty to one at Bet three six five to win the tournament. They're forty to one to reach the final, twelve to one to reach the semis, plus four fifty to get to the quarters. They're even money to get out of the group, plus five fifty to win it. I think that for me, if I were to pick a bet that I like the most here, it's it's to make the, a run to the semifinal would be the best value at 12 to one. And it comes down to the path, right? Like we like the Netherlands. If, if they finish second, they play the Netherlands. But I think England is a little vulnerable. Anthony thinks England's a little vulnerable. They win this group. Things really open up for them. And if you're looking at long odds, like 12 to one, just to get to the semifinal, you're asking them to win the group already, basically, right? Because right? you want the path to be open. And I think that if if they do do that, if they can find a way to, to win the group, then they're in good form already, right? So you can trust them to take care of who's, you know, Senegal or Qatar or Ecuador in the round of 16. And then you're asking them to win one more game as a 12 to one. The upside's there. I think we all agree on that. I'll ask you guys this too, along with your favorite bet. You know, I'm, I'm of course, I'm going to play the 150 to one to win the tournament. You know, it's a FOMO bet. I just want the ticket just in case, you know, a miracle happens. That's how it's, it's, I'm not saying it's got good value, but I'll be doing that. Anthony, so part one is your favorite bet and part two would be, are you going to just have a 150 to one ticket in your pocket or are you just a, a Scrooge? I'm a Scrooge. Yeah. I will not be having any U.S. outright tickets. I just like don't see a, a world where they're able to pull off all these high profile upsets, but I do think they're high variants. I think this group is tightly contested enough that if you're, if you're a bit down on the United States, like five to one to be bottom of the group is not a terrible situation because there is a world where Wales gets, you know, a, a moment or two. And we discussed Wales at length, like the U S struggles to break down Wales. They have a ton of the ball, but they're not doing anything with it. They don't have the passing. They don't have any space to use their dribbling advantages. And like Dan James and Gareth Bale are causing problems the other way. And, and they can see the goal from be at a set piece or whatever. And they lose that game. They're pretty big underdogs to, to, you know, get out against the England to even get a result against England, England's, you know, minus 180 on the money line. And then they play Iran on the final day. And Iran's an excellently compact defensive team. Who's going to cause similar problems to what a lot of the CONCACAF teams did to us when we did struggle to break them down just at a higher level than some of those CONCACAF teams. So like, that's the, that's the case where this goes wrong. And they finished bottom of the group five to one's a good bet. But I think the opposite extreme, you know, plus 450 to make the quarters is a good bet too, because I think they have a pretty high ceiling because we don't like, we haven't seen this team play together that much. We haven't seen all their best players on the pitch at the same time that much. And we're going to see pretty much that in this situation. They're better than Wales. I think they win that match and they get a result against England where they're going to be in the kind of uh, tactical advantage where they're more comfortable without the ball. They get to play in transition more. Pressure is going to be on England in that game. They get out of the group. 
Now all of a sudden we're having a very different conversation. How do they match up with, you know, the worst case scenario is the Dutch. And then the other scenarios include a, a situation where I would have them as a favorite. So I think, you know, the, the, there's a, there's very fat tails on how the U S go at this world cup. And I think, uh, you know, those are where I see this going. I will make my official play. They will make the quarterfinals plus four fifty. All right. So semifinals, 12 to one for me, quarterfinals plus four fifty for Anthony BJ. Yeah, if you listen to our team futures show, I did pick the United States at plus 450 to make the quarters, and I'm sticking with that. And to to echo Anthony's point is that, you know, we are even money favorites to get out of this group. And the worst possible scenario is we play the Dutch in the round of 16. The U.S. is not going to be plus 450 on the two advance line. They're probably going to be around. Will they even be plus 225? Exactly. That's my point is that they will probably be plus 160. Yeah, something like that. So you could get in a very, very nice hedge opportunity, or you can listen to Anthony on our future show and take the Dutch right now to make the quarterfinals at minus 130. And then you're sitting there with just house money on, on that match. And you can root on the Americans to, to make the semifinals and not have to, to sweat a big time ticket. But again, yeah, I think we should get out of this group. You know, if you follow me in the action work app, I've already bet United States in the, in the first match against Wales, drawing a bet at minus 120, because I do believe we are a way better team than Wales. But again, variance comes in, variance can happen. We could end up drawing that match. So, and even if we do draw that match, I think... The, the group sets up pretty well. You know, we might have to be more aggressive on the final day against Iran, depending on how the Wales-Iran match goes. But yeah, we we should be able to get out of this group. We are the second best team in this group. So plus 450 to get to the quarterfinals where we're not going to be plus 450 on that two advance line in the worst possible case against the Netherlands, I think has tremendous value. Uh, and it'll be a good way to, to root on the Americans and have some house money sitting on that round of 16 match. BJ, will you have yourself in your pocket a... A ticket for them to win the World Cup. Maybe I I do this a lot with <laughs> I do this a lot with FOMO bets. Long shots don't wait. win the World Cup. I wait no, I wait until the, uh, I wait it. until the final minute and then I just say screw it, let's do it yeah. and just throw like five bucks on it. So we'll see. I might be there by Sunday morning, but I wouldn't behoove anybody from from placing a, a ticket on the United States to win the World Cup. But I can tell you this much, Michael, I'll probably be betting on them to win the 2026 World Cup at, on home soil. Uh, yeah, that podcast will come out about <laughs> three years and 10 months from now. All right, uh, that wraps up our Team America deep dive. You can listen to this. You can listen to our other three World Cup preview pods. You'll see a lot of us over the next few weeks as we'll be doing live shows. We'll be doing podcasts, writing on the Action Network, in the app, all that stuff. So make sure you follow Wondergirl in the Action Network app. Make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. So we can beat out our competition and become the best betting podcast out there for the World Cup. For Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Leboff. Go USA. We will see you in a couple of days.